Hi, I'm Josh Schlossberg with the Green Root Podcast. Uh, this is the official podcast of Eco Integrity Alliance, where we're on the quest to uncover the roots of the ecological crisis. And for this episode, we're back on track. We've been away for a little while, but we're going to start having these more regularly. So stay tuned. We have Melissa Soderston. She is the director of Tahoe Forest Matter, which is a member group of Eco Integrity Alliance. Welcome, Melissa. Hey, Josh. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad you're here. Psyched to kick off the new year with you. You are in Lake Tahoe, California, a beautiful place full of beautiful forests. So I'm going to assume California, it's one of the most liberal states, if not the most liberal in the nation, full of conservationists. Obviously, all of your forests are protected in California and there's nothing to worry about, right? Well, that's what one would assume, but unfortunately, the opposite is the truth here. It is just like everywhere else. And in fact, it's probably worse than most other places because we can use the umbrella of, you know, this is California and we're very eco-minded here. So obviously what we're doing is what's best for the environment. Um, but what we see is just a lot of destruction, a lot of deforestation, a lot of disregard for best ecological practices um, and even you know, the, the plans that they've come up with around here are just being ignored. Um, so it's really kind of sad. So that is not really a surprise, obviously I was pretending, <laughs> but yeah, I've spent a lot of time in Northern California. I have family out there. I, I love the forests out there. They're, they're dense and gorgeous as they're supposed to be when they're left the heck alone. So a lot of this wildfire fuel reduction with quotes, wildfire risk reduction, some of what they're calling now emergency, emergency action logging, emergency. This is all quotes. Every, everything is in scare quotes here. That seems to be some of the biggest push that's happening right now in the state, right? Absolutely. And it's understandable that people are afraid of the fires around here. We've had quite a few destructive ones, the largest in history. You know, we've had Paradise was flattened and you know, we had the Caldor fire. We lost Grizzly Flats and there's been numerous others. Um, unfortunately, what they're doing is out in the forest and not anywhere close to home, which is what we know is going to help our, our save our town. That's correct. Right. So all of the science, and there's not even any debate on this. You can really talk to timber industry people who really know anything, anyone from the agencies and environmentalists. We all actually agree that the thing that works for sure is maintaining that, quote, defensible space, home hardening. And studies are showing that's 15 to 60 feet, at most 100 feet. That tends to even be excessive. So you take care of things like you know, have non-flammable roofs, you screen the vents to avoid sparks and embers from coming in, uh, you know, move certain things from around the house. If you want to do some tree tending right around the home, move wood piles away, all that stuff is thought to be, is proven to be extremely effective. But instead, like you said, they're focusing on the forest. So sometimes it's just, you know, half a mile, a mile, but we're seeing situations that are 15, 20 miles, even into, <laughs> into the wildlands. So yeah, so 
what have you seen around Lake Tahoe area, for instance, or what's the proposals there? Well, especially after the Caldor fire, we've had quite a lot of salvage logging and they're really what it is is a clear cut. They're not leaving anything at all to seed the trees, to shelter seedlings, nothing. Um, there's a ski resort and I understand safety concerns around lift lines and stuff, um, ski runs, but they clear cut the entire property and that leaves nothing for erosion control. And some of these are quite steep hills. So we're really just concerned that there's absolutely nothing going on in town. We have what's called the California Tahoe Conservancy. Um, it's this, a state agency. Um, they own parcels interspersed within our homes um, just to keep open space lots. And they're just this, the same quarter acre lots as our homes are on. Um, and we're seeing nothing being done on those lots. And the Conservancy actually gave funding to the U.S. Forest Service to clear trees on their lots, which is obviously farther away from our home and less effective for fire safety. So we have um, already a new lumber mill that's opened down in Carson City. So on the Nevada side, um, we have two more proposed for Placer County. Uh, so that just opens us up for just extraction for years and years to come. And if we've already salvage logged these areas, when they say that after two years, the lumber's not merchantable anyway. So they're gonna be done logging those areas and incentivized to keep these lumber mills opened. Um, where we think that's gonna come from is gonna be the greater forest. So it's incredibly difficult to swallow. I, I don't think a lot of it was done with any notification to us, it just kind of slipped under the radar with the fear of the fire used as their their backdrop for basically clear-cutting our forests. Yeah, and that's a very effective motivation. Again, we all agree that there needs to be things done around communities, but the problem is that almost all of the funding, and we're talking about billions and proposed tens of billions of dollars are going towards the logging, Hardly any of that is going towards, say, incentivizing or grants for homeowners, which it could be expensive sometimes to do this. If that's the thing that is worrisome is protecting the community. So let's put the money there. Instead, they're like, no, let's do the logging. So you're pointing out some really interesting stuff in terms of, so obviously a lot of what we're, we're concerned about is them logging in, quote, advance of a fire. So they, they're like, we need to log so it doesn't burn, which studies show is actually inaccurate and can actually make the fires burn worse. Then of course, while there's a fire, there's often tree felling. And sometimes that may be necessary, whatever, that's certainly right around roads or right around structures. We, we all agree that that's reasonable. But then you're talking about what they used to call, like maybe they still call it that, like salvage logging, which I think is the, you know, a more accurate term. They've changed the terminology. Even in California right now, they're calling it, some entities are calling it re- I can't, I can't stop with the, the finger quotes, but I want to make sure that their language does not become, so they're calling it rewilding. So yes, cutting down that. old growth trees, sometimes mature trees, any trees, we're rewilding it, but it's like they've gone so far down the Orwellian rabbit hole that they're just lie big, say the opposite of what we're doing and people will swallow it because, you know, they're concerned about wildfire as people should be. So that's, that's a bummer. Yeah, and as much as the salvage logging is a problem here, don't 
be confused that the, the the thinning and all their other euphemisms are not going on concurrently with that. It's it's definitely we had one neighborhood that had their favorite hiking trails directly behind their neighborhood, and it was just decimated by a commercial logging operation. You know, there was a nice swath of trees left block right near their houses. So the ones that would have been most effective to remove were left and they just cleared the easiest ones to get. It's now filled with sagebrush, cheat grasses, invasive species. It's just, there's dust everywhere, tracks. They didn't do anything to mitigate. They're supposed to put in what's called a water bar, which is when you cut on a slope, obviously there's an erosion issue when you're driving tractors and stuff up the sensitive areas. So they're supposed to put in mitigation afterwards to prevent the erosion. And those were not done properly. Um, and it was just devastated. There was one tree in particular, and it was a very large tree right on the pathway. And people love to go sit by it. You know, it was the first tree that you saw when you entered the area. And they asked the logging company specifically, because it was the largest tree on the plot, if that tree could be left. And the logging company, of course, said, oh, yeah, sure, we'll leave that one. And then somewhere along the line determined that it was a hazard to their equipment, although it was not a hazard to their equipment in any way at all. And they cut the tree. And this neighborhood is just devastated. And it's not just there. It's along. It's just everywhere in Tahoe, the entire basin. If you there's a map online for the Lake Tahoe Basin Management Unit. Um, and you can see that these projects, whether it's utility corridors or what, however they want to word it, but it's all the same just destruction of our forests, which are in fact vital to our tourist economy. I mean, no one is going to want to come and visit a Lake Tahoe that does not have beautiful, healthy, lush, dense forests. They come up here yeah. to get out of the heat from the Bay Area and we're just creating a heat dome here. It's it's pretty awful. Yeah, those are all excellent points. And again, their term thinning can sometimes mean taking out some of the smaller trees, but rarely is that the case. And, and again, the science does not even show that doing that is going to protect homes from large wildfire or anything like that. But we have never seen them remove smaller trees. It's always the larger. If they can't make money off of it, they're not going to because they have to leave us a pretty corridor, which is kind of silly. If you think about it, you would prefer them to clear the evacuation routes first, but that's not being done. They want to leave you a pretty swath of land so that it looks nice, but then back on the hillsides, it's clear cut. So they have to get the bigger trees because it costs them more money because they have to build roads and it just really is pure destruction. That's all it is. Right. If there were some form of just legitimate foresters going out there and doing some sort of lower level prescription. Personally, I still would not support it because the science doesn't support it, but people wouldn't be as up in arms about it. But it's the fact that it's almost never that. It's always cutting larger trees. Mm -hmm. It's Thinning is clear cutting almost uh, a lot of the time. There are often clear cutting uh, elements to the quote thinning. And yeah, they need to quote pay for the the stuff, even though it's all sold at a loss. And I've seen that across California, uh, well, parts of California. I've seen that in Colorado, Oregon, everywhere. It's the same thing. And and the reality of this is, if they're able to get away with doing this everywhere, and it is everywhere, and we'll get to that in a second. 
we have no doubt that people are going to regret it. But the toughest thing is showing it to people now in advance of when they do this everywhere. And, and that's kind of what we're up against. And I think the Tahoe area is an area that deserves protection on its own. I worked with the anti-biomass incineration campaign years ago through Energy Justice Network, and we helped some of those folks organize against a biomass facility uh, on the, the shores or near the shores of yeah, the Yeah, we have multiple biomass proposed again here. So that'll be, and, and that's how I feel is that if these things can happen in somewhere that it's kind of shocking that Lake Tahoe is not a national park, to be honest. I mean, that that should have happened a long time ago. But if these projects can happen in somewhere that we all feel is somewhere worth protecting, like Lake Tahoe and even Yosemite is experiencing logging for the first time ever in their backcountry. Um, if these places are no longer protected from commercial logging, then nowhere is safe, obviously. <laughs> you got it exactly. And I think if again, it's happening in an area where people are so conservation minded, other places are just not going to stand a chance. So that's why we're really raising the alarms on this. These proposals are happening everywhere across the U.S. It's 45 million acres right now in the crosshairs with lots of different schemes to make it happen, which we'll, we'll get into in a second. So outside of the Ta Tahoe area is what they're calling the, the Lost Sierra which is in Plumas County area. And that's a, what, north and west of you? Yeah, it's about two hours north of Truckee. So if you're familiar, that's on the north shore of Lake Tahoe. So about two hours north of us. So that's how far from the Pacific coast then? Oh Roughly. gosh, it's, I mean, it's quite a few hours. Yeah, probably okay. five, six hours. It's so up it's in the east, mountains. North central eastern uh california basically yeah okay well right now folks may or may not be aware there is a massive project in the the plumas and there's uh melissa is engaged with this there's also a group called feather river action exclamation point that is engaged with that and so this emergency action is something that was proposed in the infrastructure bill which is a bipartisan infrastructure bill in congress and uh, it, it's under also Sac Secretary of Agriculture proposed this. It's something called Section 40807. That doesn't matter, but it's emergency logging. So again, I, I can't stop with the scare quotes, but all this stuff is such such propaganda, and it's to push through wildfire logging with very limited legal objection. They're skirting something called the pre-decisional objection period which is typically used by environmentalists to slow or stop these projects. They don't have to consider alternatives. So all this stuff, because they're claiming all of a sudden it's emergency that they have to do all this logging. And right now I've tracked, I believe it's 13 or so projects that I've been able to find. A lot of this stuff we don't know about, it's hard to search, but 13 projects, about 800, 700,000 acres in the last year, really the last six months, and a, one third of that right now is in California. And one of these projects is up in what people are calling the Lost Sierras because it's a lesser known area and beautiful. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that area. You've been up there, maybe some about that, that project or whatever. Yeah. Um, wow. That is just a huge project. It is, 
I think 275,000 acres total is what's scoped out there. Um, and it really is a very rural, very isolated area. Um, if you're familiar with the Dixie fire and stuff that burned through that area. Um, I know they lost a town up there. It's so there's obviously the same fears that we have here. Um, and we had the chance to go out this November. It was very cold. Um, and we went camping out there. Uh, I took my kids out. Um, and I was shocked. I've grown up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I've lived here my whole life and thought I knew every little part of it. Obviously there's so many books written on it that even people who haven't been here feel like they're familiar with every inch of this mountain range. Um, and what we found out there was this beautiful valley and it's more like a coastal rainforest than anything I've ever seen in the Sierra Nevada. It was really just a special area. Um, we found banana slugs, which I've never seen outside of the coast. Um, really diverse, huge trees. I mean, old growth trees. It was just really special. It's almost hard to talk about because it actually is included in the scope of their logging project. Um, and we did see some clear cuts. They were huge piles right outside this area. Um, I have some pictures. I'd love to share some photographs with you of, of the area that you could post for the, the podcast. Cause it really is just, I had no idea that we had rainforested areas in the Sierra Nevada. We're considered a very dry mountain range and just seeing this lush, gorgeous coastal area in the middle of it was really special. And I don't, I can't imagine what kind of person would even consider wanting to cut down old growth trees like that in an area that's basically untouched. Yeah. And that's particularly telling that they're zeroing in on one of the areas that you're saying is one of the moister forests. And we all know that wildfire, typically the large ones occur you know, in drought, dry areas, the fuels are a very limit, quote, fuels are a very limited component of it. So it just shows how fraudulent this whole scheme is, right? Yeah, from what we experienced, there was absolutely no concern of this area burning. Um, it was very dense, but it was also because of how dense it was, very moist. There was, you know, it's November, normally a very dry time for us. And there were mushroom colonies just everywhere. There was, I've never seen fungal colonies like that. We were finding giant morels and it was just, it was incredible. And the leaf litter was just so wet. There was just no concern at all of this area burning. And you could just, at the second they start removing those large trees, all the sunlight's going to come into this very protected, sheltered valley and dry up all of what was keeping it safe. You could, I mean, you could see that there'd been fires through there historically. You could see old burn scars and stuff. And the trees, you know, these were old growth trees completely burned out in the middle and still very, very much alive on top. Still very much producing seed bearing cones. You know, the fire is a natural part of our forest. And as much as we are afraid of fire in California, we do not want to lose our communities, our homes. We all know that these trees are meant to withstand fire and that 
they in fact need fire and that fire going through these areas is the only thing that is going to restore our forests to the healthy natural state that they need to be in. It is our fire suppression and historical logging that has brought us to this place, um, which is why we need to shift the funds from the logging to home hardening and defensible space because we cannot allow fire onto the landscape until we have our communities protected. So it really is just a catch 22. It, it's, they want the funding to cut down the trees because that will make them money and it's a quick fix for them. So it's just really tragic. It is. And part of me is almost envious at how good their storytelling is. It It's really a clever scheme they have. And pitching again, my, my horror fiction book, Charwood, is kind of all about that told through a fictional lens. But that whole propaganda, they really got it down. But all you got to do is really step back and think with just some logic and common sense. So think about how hard it can actually be to start a campfire, you know, like, all right, trying to get, you got to get tiny little sticks. It's often not very easy. If anything is slightly moist, that's not even burning at all. It won't stay burning. So you think of this dense forest. So they typically use that as a, well, of course, a dense forest is going to burn down. That's why we have to thin it out. Well, think about that for a second. Like you said, closer knit trees, which is how many forests grow, completely natural process. It keeps the moisture, it keeps it temperature low. And that, that density actually, when there is something on fire is blocking it from spreading quickly. Now you open these stands, again, you don't have to be a scientist. This is all proven by ecological science, but you don't have to be a scientist. Just walk in any area that is more open then close, whether it's from logging or whatever, those areas are drier, they're higher temperature, and it's just a passageway for wind to blow through. It's really just common sense. Absolutely. You can, you can really tell, it, and coming back to the Lake Tahoe area where I'm more familiar with, when they cut the trees along our trails and stuff, there's certain trails that are just unwalkable now. They're so hot. They, you know, it's the temperature, just removing a few trees and my, my neighbor removing one tree raised the temperature on our street, 10 degrees. I mean, one tree, one large tree can have a significant impact on the temperature of the area. And, you know, shade has a huge difference. You want, if you think about your garden, when you water in your garden, you don't want to do it during the hot part of the day when the sun is shining on the plants, the soil, because the water evaporates quickly from the soil and burns your plants. So that's what the trees are doing is providing the shade so that the moisture doesn't evaporate quickly so that the, the smaller tree the plants, flowers, wildflowers, all that stuff isn't getting scorched by the sun, especially here in the Sierra where we're at such high altitude our atmosphere is very thin and we're very affected by the UV rays. So it's incredibly important for us to have those shaded areas, not only for the wildlife, but for those of us that live here, you know, skin cancer is a huge concern, especially these days. And we need all the shade that we can get. Those large trees are irreplaceable in our lifetime. It's just, we can't grow those back. Absolutely. And well put. So right now, we're tentatively announcing a thing that 
is very likely to happen, but no specific details and it's not official, but in the late spring, there will likely be an action camp of a sort. So everything, of course, completely legal. There will be uh, likely spots for people to camp on some private land and some things like food and other things taken care of. Again, this is just tentative right now. We just want to start mentioning this and some details will likely come out more in the future. But if you are somebody who cares about forests, climate, biodiversity, and protecting communities, you might want to get your butt up to the Lost Sierras sometime this late spring. And is there anything more we can say about that? Or is that is that plenty in terms of thinking about that? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. I'm fairly certain that we're going to have something going on. We're just waiting to see what the weather is going to look like. Our winter is obviously starting a little bit later this year with the El Nino and stuff. It's been very warm. So um, we did our first camp this November and it was smaller, just kind of get to know the the main players in the whole thing. Um, take a few community members out and go tour the rainforested area and show them what's going on. Some of the logging that's surrounding that area, talk about what they have planned for there. Um, and that went really well. They were, it was just a really excellent group of people. Um, so we're really excited about doing something this spring. Um, there's definitely, uh, there should be room for some people. And then there's also, there's tons of places to camp and it really is just a gorgeous area. Even if you're not interested in participating with our action, I really suggest that you take the time to go up and see this area while it's still there because if the forest service has their way, it will be gone before too long. Um, and it just really is a very incredible, very special area. So we hope to get quite a few people out there this spring to show our support for saving this really incredible area. Yeah, so stay tuned to Green Root Podcast and Eco Integrity Alliance. We'll definitely be letting folks know about that. Again, completely legal, all of that stuff, but we need people out on the land and why this is important. Again, local is extremely important. Everyone does need to protect their backyard, but this is a poster child for what's going on across the West. It's one of these emergency action logging projects that we're seeing prop up everywhere. And we kind of want to put a face on this. And because some of the folks who live adjacent to this are very concerned about it, uh, we think this is a great opportunity for people. There, it's also happening across California. This is not the only place, but this is where we're thinking it would be a really great place to get people to come. But there's a place down in the Los Padres National Forest. They're doing a lot of the wildfire logging. They're doing it around the sequoias. They're, they're rarely cutting down the large sequoias, but they're doing a bunch of unnecessary, ridiculous thinning, tearing up the soil, bringing in all these roads, everything like that. Still cutting redwoods. The red, some of the redwoods that are, that are left are still doing some of that. It's California is, is not a protected place. And the, the sad reality here, not to get too, uh, too political. Well, I mean, too late for that, but a lot of this stuff, and in fact, some of the worst stuff is being pushed by Democrats. The Republicans are not doing anything better, but it's Democrats and Republicans. So it's like all this stuff. We're like, we need to end polarization. People need to unite more. Well, we got our wish. They're uniting on all this nonsense wildfire logging, which is shaping up to be the most aggressive onslaught in our public forest that we've seen in 
in decades, if not a century. So we're, we're sounding the alarm. We feel like California is a real place to do. We have great folks like Melissa there and, and folks up in the Feather River and John Muir Project uh, all across California. Uh, what, what, else, what else should folks know about California or this logging or these projects? What do you think, Melissa? I just think California is just a really incredible area. There's very few places where you could go from the ocean to the desert to the mountains all in one day. And unfortunately, not a single one of those areas is protected right now. We have, you know, proposed lithium mines in Salton Sea, and we have logging in Southern California, um, Northern California. It's just everywhere is at threat right now. Um, and I think the perspective of California is that we are environmentally minded, that we are the ones that are doing the protection, that everyone can come on vacation to California and experience what really is the last remaining wild areas in California, but or I mean in the country. But unfortunately, they just really aren't that wild anymore. And when you see backcountry logging, wilderness logging, it just it really is everywhere. And I do hope that if you have not come out to the wild areas of California and seen the truth of what these logging projects look like, you know, they can show commercials of people with cute little hand saws and, you know, it, it, they really try to make it cute in their commercials and their advertising stuff. But when you come out and you see the reality of what these projects look like, it, it just really, it, it really is just, massive destruction of a beautiful, beautiful state. Yeah. And the reality of the situation is that it's getting harder and harder to do just straight on quote commercial logging because people will complain about it. So I'm seeing that almost every single logging sale is now being couched under the terms of either fake restoration, fake wildfire risk reduction, they even go so far into habitat. So anytime you nail them on one piece, they'll kind of like, mm, well, it's actually for this. It's it's very, very sinister. You can say to them, and sometimes I'll even admit this, this logging is not going to protect communities. And they're like, well, well, well it's, it's, it's going to uh, protect the forest. And then you're like, well, the forest doesn't need protection from wildfire. It's doing fine with what? Well, we're creating a specific habitat for these tree species and and deer or whatever, like a, a hunting species. Like, well, what about all the other species that's being displaced? You're picking two species, so they just jump on to the next thing. Has that been your yeah. experience? Oh my gosh, yeah, we get we get a lot of that here. Um, but if you look at the contracts, who they're being bid out to, who's being awarded the contracts they're really just the very same logging companies that were there in the first place. They're, they're, they just switch the title of the, the bid. They, they switch their, the term that they're using and say it's for environmental purposes, but they're the same logging companies. And I don't know if there's actual national headlines about the bear break-ins in Lake Tahoe. We had Hank the Tank. I don't know if anyone is familiar with Hank turned out to be a mama bear who was breaking into quite a few homes and was actually relocated out of the area. Um, but these bear break-ins are a daily occurrence. I've lived in the Lake Tahoe area for more than 20 years now. And this summer was the first time I've ever had a bear try to break into my home. And it actually happened twice. Um, and, you know, 
there's a lot of bears in the Lake Tahoe Basin. And everyone says they're urbanized black bears. They like to eat our garbage and stuff. It's an easy food source for them. But for those of us that have lived here for 20 years, there didn't used to be a lot of black bears in town. It was very rare to see a black bear. And a bear breaking into your home was almost unheard of. And now bears know that we have refrigerators. They know that we have garbage and they're very comfortable breaking into our homes, opening our refrigerator and grabbing a snack. But what we've noticed is that the more logging that they do, the more bear break-ins occur because there's no habitat left out there for them. And what habitat is there is so noisy, so full of heavy equipment, constant, you know, let alone the hikers that are out there bringing in tractors and they used helicopters for most of the summer um, to pull trees out of the forest because some of these slopes are so steep that they want to log on that they can't remove the trees safely without using a helicopter. And they don't want to acknowledge, you know, Nevada Department of Wildlife has trapped, bait trapped bears, which is illegal to bait trap a bear, but they leave a bear trap right next to an open dumpster and the bears come and then they relocate them to bear hunting areas. Um, and they say it's because there's too many bears in the basin, but it's because they're logging all of the habitat and pushing them into town and causing their own problem. And they don't want to acknowledge that at all. Yeah, that's also an interesting wrinkle. All this logging obviously is going to disrupt wildlife, wildlife habitat, scare them off. There's just no question about that. So that, that's a really good point. And unfortunately, I think I don't know if this is their intention, but this is going to be the result with this sort of call it thinning, call it clear cutting, call it whatever the hell you want it to. People aren't going to know what a wild forest looks like anymore because they're going to be doing this everywhere. And I'm telling you, in Colorado right now, County Land National Forest, every single park out here, and our parks are forests in the mountain, is slated for logging. So people won't realize that, no, a forest is supposed to have downed logs and it's supposed to be messy it's not supposed to be a park land that's not what every yeah forest it's just, they keep going back to park like and i'm like a forest is not a park to be managed it's a forest and i mean even desolation wilderness which is our wilderness area here in lake tahoe they have logging slated for there it's all around the lake tahoe basin and they use we have the the Lake Tahoe Basin was clear cut in the past. So this isn't technically old growth, but I like to say that it is our old growth. It's all we have. It's These are our largest trees. And there's a lot of historical photos from those logging areas. And they always say, well, look at the Comstock photos. And it was logged back then. But if you look at those photos, you can see the stumps and you can see the tree density. And if anything, it was in fact more dense with large trees than our forests are now. Not less dense, like they want to they want to see it. It was more dense, so. Yeah, and that's one of the toughest points to get across that we need to keep hammering home. And again, it's all the science, right? We're not here just making up stories. We're basing things on the science. Industry is making up stories. And even their quote, science has been debunked repeatedly and They've been shown to intentionally leave out any information that doesn't fit their, their narrative. But yeah, a dense forest is a natural forest. Density is fine. The forest knows what it's doing. I mean, just think about the ridiculousness of the idea that a natural ecosystem can't maintain itself without 
human involvement. And of course, they'll bring in things like, which was partially true, cultural burning for Native Americans. But if you think Native Americans were going into every single forest up high in the mountains and then clear cutting them and then yanking out the trees, then you don't know what you're talking about. And they, they certainly want. weren't using gasoline and flamethrowers. So, <laughs> of course not. you know, they would they would set some fires in certain areas. Those were basically natural fires. So that's yeah. not relevant to taking material out of the forest. And no, but that's, again, working from the home out, not from the forest. in. we got to start close to home. And they I mean, clearly they couldn't have managed burning way out in the forest. So I don't no reason for them to do. Yeah, that. there's just no that. reason. So, but that's just another thing that they're they're trying to exploit that, and you know, cultural burning that that sound that sounds great, and and some managed parcels, what you know, people want to do that. But there's a difference between logging and having the fires out there, and so even a lot of the prescribed fires are basically just things they do after logging. So there's there's there are a lot of issues with that. But yeah, I think the toughest thing, and I'm curious if you agree, is. The natural fear of wildfire, nobody wants to seem like they are downplaying the threat of wildfire. And so that's why we find even most conservation groups won't speak up on this issue, why media is really reluctant to cover this. I think no one wants to be seen as sort of blamed for a fire, but we're here to tell you, look at the studies, look at the science. We've had enough of these fires to now know that this is a nonsense paradigm that you are not protecting communities by logging, you are actually making the situation worse and you're distracting from what we need to do. So we need people who are brave enough to, to call this out. We need you know, conservation groups to be doing their jobs. We need media to also be doing their jobs of providing all sides of the story at the very least. And I think people who are concerned about climate need to be going back to protecting forests. Uh, the climate movement is, in many ways, one of the best things to happen to the environmental movement. But in other ways, it's really taken people away from the concept of wild protection, which is where everything comes from. And these forests are our single best climate buffers on the land, right? We have the ocean, which is a great climate buffer. We have agricultural stuff, which is also a, a lot of uh, carbon emissions and fossil fuels, no question. But the lowest hanging fruit is protecting forests. We don't even have to do anything. We just have to stop the destruction. And if we don't do this, we're not going to be on target for whatever the uh, carbon reduction emissions that's a target for the US. We will not be, because it's gigatons of carbon is going to be released by this logging. Yeah, it's we have our climate action plan here in Tahoe. And I keep trying to go back to that with them is that, you know, you have to include all this logging. If you're not considering the emissions from this logging, you're just, we're, we're not going to meet any of our goals in any way. Uh, it's, there's so much more we could be doing and it just starts with at home. I, I don't, that's what I think the really hard part is, is that if you can show people that there is a solution and it does not involve logging the forest, to keep us safe because I evacuated from the Caldor fire and I, I was born in Oakland, California. We had big fires there when I was a kid. I grew up in the foothills. We dealt with fires in the county I lived in every single year. We were evacuated for weeks and businesses in Lake Tahoe have not recovered since the Caldor fire. We are suffering and struggling because of that evacuation and because of the, the lack of confidence in 
coming to these forested towns because if a fire starts close to town, no matter how much logging they do out in the forest, there's nothing that they can do to stop it. And uh, these wind-driven fires, these embers travel miles. Our town is not safe from fire. And when tourists are here, sometimes tens of thousands in the summer, they don't know where to evacuate. We only have one road out of town. And if we're not doing anything to solve those problems, if we're not creating safe evacuation routes, if we're not creating safe communities, what are we doing? Where's all the money going to? And they keep saying that, oh, well, we try to educate people and homeowners need to do their part. And yes, homeowners do need to do their part. That is absolutely true. But unfortunately, when you look at our most fire prone communities in California, are also generally our most low-income areas. They cannot afford to do the work. It's, I mean, when I need to remove a tree from my backyard, I have to have a crane to do it, to lift it up over my home. And that costs a lot of money, sometimes thousands and thousands of dollars. People can't afford that. And elderly people cannot get out there and clear brush from their land. They can't. We need the funding to be shifted to where it's going to keep us safe and not keep thinking that logging our forest is a quick fix and we can just keep going about our business. Very well put from somebody who's living out there. You're not in some city just making some proclamations far away. This is your life and your property and your forest. You know what you're talking about. And yeah, if it can happen in a place like California, full of beautiful forests, full of conservation-minded people, full of liberal governance, it's going to happen everywhere. So we need to stop it. We need to stop it at the ground zero, which right now seems to be California. Well, it's, I mean, California has definitely got a lot of it, but it, it is everywhere, especially across the West. It's, you know, they just kind of took this and, you know, you even look at places that really aren't necessarily a really big fire threat, but might be an easy place to log. They're getting hit before our more fire prone communities in California. So it just really seems to me to be a money grab. It just doesn't seem to be making any sense the way that they're doing it. If they really wanted to keep us safe from fires, you would think that they would be doing it where it would be most effective. And that's absolutely not what's going on. Agree with you there for sure. Well, so how can folks learn more about Tahoe Forests Matter? Uh, we do have a website. It's tahoeforestmatter.wordpress.com. Um, also on Facebook, Instagram. I personally am on Twitter at Lake Tahoe Vibes. Um, just always happy to connect with people. Um, would love support. I know that obviously local community people would be great, but Lake Tahoe is a tourist area and I, I would love to see how our tourists feel about the logging up here because I really think that their opinion is equally valid in this whole thing. So if you value forests, you value climate, you value California, Lake Tahoe area, and think about this late spring, the Lost Sierras coming out there and, and showing, showing what's what on the ground. So thank you so much, Melissa. Yeah, thank you, Josh, for having me. This is great.